Well, we don't even need a message today, do we? Anyone else agreed? Do I get a morning off? <laughs> the nice thing about baptism is it, it is the message. It's, uh, it speaks very loudly, very clearly. That What Chris said, this is what we're all about as a church, to see what God is doing and how he is um, you know, in fact, impacting our lives. Well, we're in this series called Plan B. And uh, we've been in the series for several weeks. We're starting to wind it down here in the next couple, uh, this Sunday and next. And what we've been doing is we've been talking about what happens when life doesn't turn out the way you thought it would. What do you do when God doesn't show up like you thought he would? And so we've been talking about all kinds of things. We talked about, one of the weeks we talked about Lazarus being raised from the dead. I mean, talk about an ultimate plan B, right? I mean, he was dead in the tomb. And we talked about God being able to resurrect and redeem the plans of our lives. And that nothing is beyond God's ability to come in and to turn us around and put us on the right path. We talked about David and how um, he had this, this, this plan that God had put him on to say, you're going to be king one day, but nothing was working out the way that he thought it would. And if he was going according to his own plan, it just didn't make sense. But God continued to direct his path, and when David learned to surrender to God's leading, he became king and follow that path. So we learned about, again, surrender and God being in control. We talked last week about, Dave, uh, about Joseph. Remember? Good news, bad news? Who knows? Okay, some of you are paying attention. All right, good news, bad news, who knows? God is orchestrating the things of his life. And, and we talked about that when we're in plan B situations, it's not as though God has abandoned us. It wasn't like God was with Joseph only when things were going well, but that he wasn't with him when he was in the pit, when he was being sold into slavery, when he was falsely accused, when he was in prison. We talked about uh, the scripture saying that exactly in those times, the Bible says that God was with Joseph. So even when you're going through a plan B situation, the scenario that you're in, God is with you in that time as he is in the good things, and he's orchestrating his plan, he's developing us, he's changing us. For these next two weeks, this week and next week as we wrap up, I want to turn the corner a little bit, and what I want to talk about is our spiritual plan B. And all these other plan Bs, we talked about what if our marriage isn't going in the right direction, or, or our finances, or things at work. But what about spiritually? What is your spiritual plan B? And how do we begin that journey? And so today, we're going to talk a lot about why, what, is this, what does baptism mean? Why are, why are we following this journey of faith, and how do we do that? And so... My hope is that today, nobody leaves here not knowing where they stand with God. So that everybody who's here, that you would know, I understand where my relationship is with God and that it's clear. And so that's, that's my goal today. And then next week, what we're going to talk about is where do we go from here? If you're a follower of Christ or you've started that journey, what happens when the challenges come and how does our faith change over time? So we're going to be looking at the stages of faith. And here's the thing, I know every one of us is at one of the stages of faith. And so you don't want to miss next week's because it'll really speak to some of the challenges you face in following Christ. But like I said today, I want you to know, and here's the thing, some of you who, who are followers of Christ, who've given your life to him already, can you just check out this morning? Kind of go, okay, here's the message, I've heard about this, I know, I know about this. When, when I do weddings, one of the things I like to do is, um, you know, when you go to a wedding, all of us know what's going to happen, right? They're going to say their vows, and the pastor's going to say things about marriage. And now, some of the men, I know, you go to the wedding and you kind of check out. You, you know, you go to the wedding ceremony, you tune out a little bit. But what I always like to say during the wedding, when I'm doing the ceremony, is if couples are sitting together, I encourage them to take hands with, with their spouse if they're sitting next to each other. And I say, use this time as an opportunity to recommit your own vows, to make another commitment and be reminded of the commitment you had made to your spouse. And so it is with Sunday mornings when we come to church. If we are believers or we know Christ and we hear the message of, of the good news of Christ, we, 
we could either say, you know, I've heard that before, or we can be reminded of what God has done in our lives. And we can come here and we can celebrate, or we can make a recommitment, like Johnny said, to say, you know what, I want to declare publicly again what God has been doing in my life. So I want us all to be engaged. But I know there are folks here this morning, maybe you're just re-engaging in church again. Maybe you just know there's something in my life and, and I've got I to reconnect. I've got to go to church. Maybe I can find something there. Some of you, I know we've talked, you've been away from God for a long time and you're just beginning to come back and you're trying to find things out. This is for you. This is for your clarity. I know also on our, on our connection card, sometimes on the back it says, I still have many questions about my faith. Some of you have checked that. Because you don't, I don't know where I stand with God. I'm not sure. Am I in? Am I out? Am I saved? Am I not? What does it take? Today, you will know very clearly where you stand. And my hope is that you leave here today knowing that you are with God and that God will do a work in, in your heart. So, are we ready to dive into this? I'm not convinced. Are you ready to dive into this? Even if you're not. Yeah, there you go. Even if you're not, that's better. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, if you have a Bible near you. And uh, Matthew chapter 7 is on page something or other. Um, page two, 734 in these Bibles. Matthew chapter 7. And I want us to look at two verses, 13 and 14. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Now in this passage, Matthew chapter 7, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is Jesus teaching, and basically it's called one of Jesus' sermons on the Mount because he's standing on the side of a mountain. People are gathering around. And, uh, and he's, he's t- telling them all kinds of things about the kingdom of heaven. And I think by some preaching standards today, some would look at that and go, man, Jesus was all over the map in this message. I mean, he addressed all kinds of topics. He talked, and he'd go from one point to the next. Sometimes it didn't even flow that well together. And I think he, he but he captured something. And he was addressing these big, important truths. And, and so here in this passage, he's talking about the fundamental two paths in life that we can go on. So let's look at this in terms of, plan B in our spiritual journey. Here's what Jesus says. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. But the gateway to life is small, and the road is narrow, and only a few ever find it. Now, I can imagine sitting there listening to Jesus, if it was me, and I'd never heard anything else from the Bible. This is the first time I've ever listened to Jesus, heard anything. Now I'd be going, okay, Jesus, explain to me what the narrow gate is. Help me understand what the narrow road is. I want, it's a hard way to find, but, but help me find it. But as we continue on reading, you see the title of the next section, The Tree and Its Fruit. True Disciples. And, and they do relate, but Jesus doesn't clearly state what, what, what he's saying here. And so what we're going to talk about today is what are these two paths, this, this narrow gate and this narrow road that's hard and difficult. And over here we have the wide road, the wide gate, the easy road, and that great song that was written based out of this, the highway to hell. <laughs> I'm on a high. No, anybody? Don't act like you don't know the song, okay? All right. See, you know, it's maybe nice in songs, but there's a real reality here. And so when, when we talk about today, the, the, when we look in terms of plan A and plan B, right? We talk about plan A isn't working. One thing that I know everyone that's been baptized and that's given their life to Christ, one thing I know is we're all on plan B. See, because we all start on plan A. We all start on the wide road. We all start on this general path that, that we follow the crowd. We follow society. We follow those ways around us. 
even growing up in a Christian home, we all begin in a journey that, that in our hearts spiritually, we're on a wide path. And at some point, and even as parents, I mean, my parents are here this morning. And I'm so thankful that, that they're visiting and uh, here for a couple weeks. And my, my niece is here, too, visiting from Detroit. So welcome. Welcome, my family. Thank you. <laughs> And, and I know in, in my own life that, that while I grew up in a Christian home, in a pastor's home, that my parents did everything they could to guide me towards the narrow path. But the only way to walk that path is at some point I had to make a choice to say, I choose that for myself. And now they did everything they could, but they couldn't do that for me. And so how do we know? How can we get on these different paths? How do we know we're on, whether we're on the wide path or on the narrow path? And so when, when you hear anybody talking about faith, They'll often begin, and as some of them said here, well, before I met Christ, before my relationship with Christ changed, before I gave my life to him, this was my life. And so plan A is my life before Christ. That's the wide road. That's where so many of us begin. And the question is, how do you get on, plan, how do you get on the narrow road? Well, here's what many people say. How do you know you're a Christian? How do I know if I'm a follower of Christ? For some in America, we say, well, I'm an American. I mean, this is a Christian nation. We don't live in one of those Muslim nations. I grew up here in America, and that makes me a Christian, and so, you know, maybe I'm a believer that way. Or my parents took me to church when I was younger. Or maybe I said a magical prayer one time. I think something I said, something in Sunday school, and I think that makes me a Christian. Or maybe I was baptized as a child, so I think I'm good to go now. I mean, I'm on the right path. I think that was my ticket into getting into, into heaven. Or, you know, I'm, I'm better than most people. I do better than, you know, I, my coworkers, and, and I do some good things. I even give at church once in a while, do you know that? Does that, does that get you into heaven, right? Well, we know only tithers get into heaven, right? I mean, you've got to give at least 10%. That's the only sure way you know. If you get any less, you're on shaky ground. No, that's not true either. I mean, we, maybe you say, well, you know, I serve in the children's ministry, or I'm a host, or I play in the band, and you go, that must mean I'm a believer. No, those are not, those are good things. Some of those may be fruits of what God has done, but those things in and of themselves don't put you on the narrow path. So how do we know? Well, there's this plan. Again, we're walking the wide road. And so let's begin with the wide road. He says it's easy, the highway to hell, right? I mean, it's just an easy road. And what happens is you just get caught up in that current. And if you're mindless and not thinking, that's the path you walk on. And I think what that path is defined by is a little two-letter word, me. When we're on plan A, when we're on the wide path, at the center of that path is me and mine. And we become the center of the universe. And, and I think many of us would say that's just the normal, natural thing when we, when we live and, and, and grow up and we plan our future, our marriage, our lives, our, our careers, whatever it is. We put ourselves at the middle. And what begins to happen is we have this wonderful right in America. It's called the pursuit of what? <laughs> Happiness. And I think we all love to be able to pursue happiness. But the question is, how do we attain it? And the pursuit of happiness happens with a four-letter word. It's appropriate. It's M-O-R-E. More. When you're on plan A, when you're on the wide path, you are at the center, and your life is driven by more. And where it's driven by more is, just think about it, a little more, what's the first thing you'd say? Many people. Money. A little more money. More is this insatiable appetite that we have for satisfaction, that the pursuit of our happiness, of our peace, of our joy, is answered by the question more. And it's not even a lot more. It's usually just, just a little bit more, a little more money. If I could just have a little more love, if I could have a little more success, 
if I could have a little more of a raise or a little more prestige, or if I could move to that corner office, have a little more there, if I could have a few more toys, if my house could have a few more square feet, if my backyard could be a little bit bigger, if the cruise could be a little bit longer, if I would get more vacation, more, more, more. And, and the crazy thing is, just like your hunger, your, your physical hunger, we're constantly reminded that those things do satisfy us a little, right? You get a raise, that feels good, doesn't it? And somehow we get affirmed that, ah, that feels good, I have a little more money to work with, or I have a little more love, or I have a little more prestige. And it seems to say, yeah, see, that, that, that was good. I've got to get myself a little bit more of that because it, it fades away. And so there's this bottomless pit that we are trying to feed when you're on plan A that says, I've got to find it. And we're on this pursuit. And I think that's maybe the appropriate language in our country's you know, founding father's terminology, the pursuit of happiness. Because sometimes we can spend our life pursuing it. Because again, it's, it's driven by more. This appetite, we all want more. And so in our plan A, this path, this wide path, what we try to do is we walk on that path and we're trying to find fulfillment on that wide path. Where does that path end? Where does plan A end? Path A end? It says in hell, in death, in destruction. There's no life at the end of this path. And so what we can spend, we can spend all our time talking about plan B, but if you're just making plan B changes while you're on the wide path, where's your destination? It doesn't matter how many times you make that change, how many times you're trying to make a pursuit of a difference, you're still ending in the same destination as as, as the saying goes, it's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Right? I mean, you can make it look as pretty and as nice. You can order a great meal. You can try to do everything. But the, you know what the conclusion is? It sinks. It goes down. And if we stay on plan A, if we stay on the wide path, the conclusion is it's death. You can make as many micro changes, as many plan B, C, D changes. If you are on the wrong road, the conclusion and the destination is sure. Scripture says all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. You know who that includes in here? All. That includes you, that includes me, that includes my mom, my dad, my niece, my little niece, includes me, my wife. We all have sinned and we fall short. And that's why we all begin on plan A. We all begin on path A. And if we, can, if we don't get this shift right, how do we move to the narrow path? We, we end up continuing down that road. So, so how do we do that? At some point, almost everybody's story that's become a follower of Christ you realize you come to a crossroads. At some point, things aren't working. You're realizing this pursuit is exhausting. This pursuit is not filling me. This pursuit is just insatiable, and I can't get the fulfillment that I need. More isn't working. You realize the futility of more. And what you end up getting is more frustration, more dissatisfaction, more pain, more emptiness, more hurt. And so what we try to do, we try to do more of the others. And it's this, this cycle where at some point, some of us kind of go, it can't go on like this. There isn't life found there. See, I think we almost on our own begin to understand this is a path that does not lead to fulfillment. How do we find it? And many people in this world are trapped and go, I don't know how to get off this path. And Jesus is saying, look, there's the wide path and you stay on that, it's going to end in death. But there's this narrow path. There's this other way. See, in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, um, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have many trials and sorrow. Thanks, Jesus. Way to cheer me up. But what he's saying is, look, this is the realization of life. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have trials. It's not going to get 
necessarily much easier. You're going to have trouble. And if Jesus would have stopped there, I think that would be pretty sad. And for many people without Christ, that's where it does stop. But the verse continues and he says, but, but take heart. You know what happens when you're on plan A and things are crashing and burning? We lose heart. What happens when you lose heart? You want to give up. You feel anxiety. Maybe you feel depression. Maybe you feel fear. Maybe you just have have nothing that you can give anymore because you're tired. But I love what Jesus says. Look, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. And I think that's the encouragement today is take heart. It's not over. It's not finished. It's not done. There is another way. He says, but take heart. What? I have overcome the world. That very path you're on, take heart. I have overcome that. You don't have to stay on that path. You don't have to have your destination end in death. You can have it end in life, in true life. So take heart. And that's the hope that Jesus brings. And so we can spend all our time rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Or we can say, you know what, i got to get off this boat. <laughs> Alright? I want a new port. I want to end up somewhere else. And so this is, this is the plan B that Jesus presents. And this is where all of us are, have the potential to be on a plan B. And those that have become followers of Christ are saying, you know what, I'm choosing plan B. And B stands for better and best. Because this is the plan that leads to life. And I don't know how, you know, if you're here this morning, you're going to hear plan B. It's called the good news. The gospel, if you've heard of the gospels. It just means good news. And it's the good news of Jesus Christ, which he says, look, I've overcome the world. I've come. And you know how we overcame the world? By defeating death himself, by becoming death, by dying on a cross. That's why the cross is so central to our faith. Jesus died as a sinless man for our sins, because that's the punishment for all of us. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We're going to die. We're going to die and our life is going to end in death. But Jesus came so that we might have life and have it to the fullest, Scripture says. Jesus himself says that. Because he took the punishment on himself, was nailed to a cross and crucified and died. But here's the thing. What did he do? He rose again. He conquered death. And so the only one that can bring us life is Jesus Christ himself. And so he talks about this narrow path having, having a gate As any doorway, when you came into the school, you come through a doorway, a gateway. You come into the place here, there's a gateway. There's a a place to come through. What is that place? Well, Jesus very clearly says in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life, right? Not the death path, but the life path. And he says, I am that path. See, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a religion to follow. It's not some kind of rituals we have to go to. It's a person. It is Jesus Christ, a living God who inhabits us, who says, look, it's me who is the gateway. Not just going to church, right? You know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than, than being in an oven makes you a biscuit. I'll let you process that for a second. Right? Just doing the things, just being in this proximity of this place does not automatically make you a believer, even if you come every single Sunday. It's only through a relationship with Christ. Because he is the gate. And he's the one that guides us, and he says, walk in my way. So we have to know Christ. He says, no one comes to the Father but through me. That's why Jesus is so central in all of our teaching. And at some point, when you're here this morning and you hear this truth, you have to make a decision and go, where do I stand? Do I choose to continue to walk down plan A and make all the changes in my life and try to figure it all out? The destination is clear. Or do I find the narrow path? He's saying it's hard. Not many people find it. I think you look around our world today, 
Think about your coworkers, your classmates. You know, think about neighbors and family. Not many people find the path because it's only in Jesus. But here's the thing: it leads to life. And and so many times people think, well, Jesus came. You know, it's, it's, he's the he's the judge that says you're going to hell and you're going to heaven. You're going in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. Jesus says, look, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. He's saying, I have come to give you life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So it's faith in Christ that creates this gateway, and it's his grace that says, look, I will give you a clean beginning. When you go through that gateway that leads to the narrow path, it's like a really good shower, a soul-cleansing shower that just wipes the slate clean. It's called forgiveness. It's God's grace that says, look, you can begin on a new path and on a new journey to follow Christ. Take heart, I've overcome the world. And this is the, this is the story of every person who's ever believed over the years, over the hundreds of years and thousands of years of faith that says, look, once I was lost, but now I'm found. I was found by Christ. And, and I know in a church like this, on any given morning, we have some who are believers and others who are curious, some who are seeking, some who are not sure, some are who are here reluctantly because somebody made them come to church, some who are here because they want their kids to get some good religion and they'll just kind of, you know, sit around for a while and see how it goes. We're in different places. But when, when you're introduced to this amazing love of Christ, the grace of forgiveness, the possibility of a new beginning, a fresh start, and a new path that... We don't even know where that may lead yet, except we know it leads to life. And no matter what plan B's come along that path, we know the destination is life. And that is a hope, and that is a promise, and that's why we can take heart. Now, it's interesting in, the, in, in what you heard this, this morning, even from Kim and from Elijah, they both couldn't point to a specific day where they became followers of Christ. I don't know what you know, church backgrounds you come from, but, but sometimes there's a lot of emphasis on being said, when you say that sinner's prayer, that's the day you become a follower of Christ. And for many, that's true. You come to a realization where you say, I'm going to make, I'm, in my heart, I'm going to confess Jesus Christ as my Lord. I'm going to ask him for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm just going to receive his grace. I believe Jesus. Yes, I believe. I have faith. I want to live for you. Take my life. And, and we maybe have a date that we can remember doing that. It just, we hit a point in our lives. We were introduced to Christ and it transformed us. But then there's others of us like I said, you heard from, from, from Kim and Elijah, growing up, maybe if we grew up in the church, where we just began to walk this journey, and it felt like maybe we were walking on the narrow path because we saw our parents or our church, and we began to learn the truths. And pretty soon, we, we, we began to live by those truths. And, and all of a sudden, we're able to express, yeah, I, I believe in Christ, and he is my Lord and Savior, and, and he has forgiven me of my sins, but it's more of a process. And, and, and both are legitimate ways to come to Christ. In the Bible, we see it. Paul had this lightning experience, right? He's riding, he's, he's running from God, and he sees this flash of lightning, he hears the voice of God, and he turns his life right there on the spot. When did Peter become a Christian? What date? What was the day that Peter became a Christian? There is, you know, you can't find a date. You could say, well, when he said, um, you are the Messiah. You go, yeah, that was a great day. He became a Christian, and what was the next thing that Jesus told him? Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> All right, so maybe it didn't take. I don't know. See, what happened with Peter, it was a process. He denied Christ, and then Christ restored him. It's this continual process. And so both can happen. But what you need to know in your heart is, what do you believe right now, today? doesn't matter if it happened 10 years ago, or if today you want to make a decision that says, you know what? 
I know I need to put my faith in Christ today. You can know. You can walk and know through Jesus, through that narrow gate, he is the gateway. And when you receive that, you begin to walk that pathway to life. And you can leave here today knowing that you are on that path by giving your life to Christ and saying, here I am, God. I lay down my life. I accept your grace. Give me a fresh beginning. And here's the nice thing about baptism. What is baptism? I mean, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's 2012, and we gather in a public school. People set up chairs. There's a horse trough with water. And you're going to get up in front of a whole bunch of people, and you're going to get soaking wet, and you come out of the water, and somehow that's some kind of spiritual thing, right? I mean, if you just want to be cynical and step back, what is this all about? The beautiful thing about baptism is it's, a, it's, it's this ritual, this rite of passage into faith, into the body of the church that has been around for hundreds of years. Jesus himself was baptized. And, and in Scripture, Jesus is so clear. One, one passage in Mark, he just says, those who believe and are baptized will be saved. And the way I like to always explain it is it's like two sides of the same coin. See, sometimes people think, first I become a Christian, and then later when I have it all figured out, when I'm really ready to serve God, that's when I'm going to get baptized. Okay, so I got a few more things to work out. I got an addiction I got to get over, and I got to clean my language a little bit, and I got to go to church a little more. I got to give a little more. I got to serve a little more. And when, when, when I really am ready, then I'm going to, become a, uh, I'm going to get baptized. That's, not, that's nowhere in Scripture. Baptism marks the beginning of your journey of faith. And it can happen if you, if you gave your life to Christ, you've been a believer for many years, but have never been baptized. What it does is it takes what happens on the inside and it makes it outward. It lets people know and you go public with your faith. And so what, what I always find is, especially for those of you that have had a, a faith experience that maybe has just kind of evolved over time and, and you're a believer, baptism can mark a very specific date and time and place where you know that, that you have taken a public stand to follow Christ. And, and when somebody says, I became a believer, or maybe yourself, when some of you say, I, I don't know if I, if I gave my life to Christ, or you're not sure, because sometimes the things internal, are hard, they're not tangible, right? I mean, you can't touch them, you can't, you've got to take your word for it, you've got to know if your heart's there. But baptism is very physical, it's very outward, and there's something powerful about getting up in front of a whole group of people, and being able to say, you know what, I am all in. 100% all in. I mean, this is dunking. This isn't a little sprinkling. This, I mean, this is, you know, we're saying we're all in in faith. And what baptism represents, it's saying that, look, Christ died and rose again for my sins. And when I go into baptism, I, on my body, follow the same process what Jesus did. Symbolically is I die to myself. I die to my old life. Go underwater. What happens if you stay underwater really long? You die, so I could, we could do that, and I won't. But, you know, hold you underwear. When the bubbles come up, we lift you up so you've died to yourself, and that's represented, and you come up washed clean of your sins, cleansed the fresh water of God's Spirit in your life, and you are raised to new life and a fresh beginning, a clean slate. The old is gone, the new has come. We are a new creation. And so on your body, you experience what God has done internally, and God honors that step of obedience. And we declare to everyone here, I'm following God. And that's, the, that's what ushers us into the church. We don't have membership at one community church. There's not something that you sign that makes you a member. What makes you a member of the body of Christ is following Jesus. Surrender to him, baptized. It's just a step of obedience. And some of you have maybe been believers for a long time, and you've never been baptized because you don't want to get up in front of people. You're nervous. Understandable. Absolutely. 
Some of you go, I don't want to share my, I don't want to speak in front of people. I just want to be baptized. That's okay. That's all right. I, I don't have a change of clothes today. Uh, that's the best part. Those make for the best baptism stories over the years. You didn't even come prepared. But you know what? We have extra towels. And one of my favorite stories, JT, JT's back there. JT, raise your hand. Yeah. I remember one of our first baptisms, we, we opened it up like we are t- going to do today and say, if you've not been baptized or if you want to make a f- step of faith today, come and be baptized. And I remember JT walking up, and uh, JT wears his jeans and his belt buckle, and he's got his cowboy boots and, uh, you know, an outdoorsman. And uh, he, he comes up and just steps in the water, boots and all. Cowboy boots and all. You know, he didn't take them off, didn't roll up his pants, take off his socks, undo his belt. It was just like, I'm ready. And he walked in, and that's just such a memorable baptism for me because it didn't matter. I didn't have a change of clothes. I'm going to be wet. This is about obedience to Christ, and he took that step, and it's such a special memory for me as well. And, and, and I remember a lady who was, who was well along in her pregnancy said, I'm going to be baptized this morning. She came up, you know, prego belly and all, both of them baptized, <laughs> the, the baby in utero there. So, um, you know, it, it's about a step of obedience. And what I want to challenge you today is really to reflect in your heart, what's God speaking to you? Some of you, your heart may be pounding out of your chest right now because you know this is what God's calling you to do. You've never been baptized. You've, you've got all these excuses and reasons, but you know this is what you need to do. Some of you have never accepted Christ and have never taken that path to say, I want to walk with Christ on the narrow path that leads to life. And for you, you can do one, both in the same day. You can surrender your life to Christ and be baptized and say, this is my beginning of my journey with, with faith, and I want to let you all know you have that opportunity this morning. Others of you want, might want to do what Johnny did. We have a microphone up here, and you may just feel the need to be able to say, I want to come forward, and I just want to express what's on my heart to, to share with you that I'm recommitting my life to Christ. I've, I've been baptized before, and I'm walking with Christ, but... I, but but I want to recommit my life to him this morning. And maybe that's your response. All of us have a way. Maybe today you're just going to express gratitude for what Christ has done. And when we have our time of response, you go and you take communion. And you say, Jesus, thank you for your broken body for me. Thank you for the blood that was spilled out for the forgiveness of my sins. And you do that as an act of thanksgiving and gratitude. We have lots of ways for you to respond, whether you kneel and pray but those of you specifically, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to baptize whoever is ready this morning. And during, as the band comes up now, they're going to close us here in, in some, a few songs of worship. We've got time. I want you to come in to talk to me during this next song. Talk to me. Talk to my wife, Shannon, here. Those of you who know Shannon, or you've got Tim. Tim, raise your hand. Tim and Edith right there, both of them. Um, we'll be over here. And, and if you want to either make a public recommitment or you want to be baptized or you still have some questions, we're going to be over here, and I just want to talk with you, and, and we'll talk about that. And if you're ready this morning, we'll do a baptism uh, during, during this latter part of, of worship. Is that understandable? You clear with that? All right, let's stand and let's pray, and uh, I'm going to ask God just to keep moving in your heart. Heavenly Father, with uh, our heads bowed, God, the story that we talked about and the stories that we heard from Kim and Elijah and from Johnny, the, in different ways, those are our stories too. And Father, somewhere in what I said today, I know all of us can identify ourselves. Are we, what path are we on? Have we walked through the narrow gate? Are we walking with you? Help us just to do some soul searching right now. And Father, help us not to miss those powerful words but take part.
you have overcome the world, that you are the pathway that leads to life. You are life. And so, Father, for those here this morning that have never surrendered their lives to you, this wonderful step of just freedom, a freshness of a new beginning, of being made a new creation, Father, would you uh, give them the courage to just embrace that and to thank you for your grace and forgiveness. Maybe take that step of baptism this morning. God, stir in our hearts. Help us to do business with you and just to be thankful for who you are. So, God, we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.